When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 452nd episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is a legendary Hollywood actress and character who is now in her 67th year in the business. A six-time Oscar nominee and six-time Emmy nominee with one Oscar and one Emmy on her mantelpiece, her credits include 1955's The Trouble with Harry, her acting debut, which was directed by Alfred Hitchcock, 1956's Around the World in 80 Days, which won the Best Picture Oscar, 1960's Ocean's Eleven, also starring the Rat Pack, of which she was an honorary member, 1960's The Apartment, which won the Best Picture Oscar, 1961's The Children's Hour, in which she starred opposite Audrey Hepburn, 1977's The Turning Point, 1979's Being There, 1983's Terms of Endearment, which won the Best Picture Oscar, and for which she won the Best Actress Oscar, 1989's Steel Magnolias, 1990's Postcards from the Edge, 2011's Bernie, and many more. The recipient of the Film Society of Lincoln Center's Chaplin Award in 1995, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's Cecil B. DeMille Award in 1998, the AFI Life Achievement Award in 2012, and a Kennedy Center honor in 2013, she made her name in one apartment and can now be seen at the age of 88 in another. Namely, in the second episode of the second season of Hulu's Emmy-nominated comedy series Only Murders in the Building, the great Shirley MacLaine. Over the course of a conversation which we recorded during the 2015 TCM Classic Film Festival in Hollywood, just before the establishment of this podcast, MacLaine and I talked about her childhood growing up with her kid brother, Warren Beatty, and how she was discovered by Hal Wallace— what it was like making classic films with the likes of Hitchcock, Billy Wilder, William Wyler, John Schlesinger, Vincent Minnelli, Herbert Ross, Mike Nichols, Bob Fosse, Hal Ashby, James L. Brooks, Richard Linklater, and so many others. What led her to the New Age worldview with which she is so closely associated? What she makes of today's Hollywood and its stars, plus much more. And so without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Thank you for making time to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, I just was curious to begin with, and it maybe doesn't seem like it's that important in the grand scheme of things, but how did Shirley MacLaine Beatty become Shirley MacLaine? What was the evolution? How did that happen? Well, they called me Shirley Beatty, Shirley Batty, Death out of Shirley Beatty. <laughs> I said, I want to go with my mother. Mm -hmm. 
and that was that early on you decided? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was about 17 mm-hmm. in the chorus of a show. And I also am curious what your theory is. You know, how do... What, what what was it about your family that, that two great actors can come out of one family? Was I think it was probably um, disappointment that we were witnessing in the parents. Really? They all wanted to do those things, but sometimes, and, and to and some extent, their lives were a disappointment because they didn't do it. They were busy raising us. Were, was there interest in acting as well or something else? Oh, yes. Mother was a dramatics uh, major. And Dad was a very fine musician. And once he told me he had wanted to run away and join a circus. So I just became the circus, and (laughs) he didn't have to run away. (laughs) Now, when you were a kid, was was acting always the ambition, or were there other things before that? Yes, I thought seriously about being a physicist, because I was so interested in metaphysics since I was 10. Wow. So all this thing that I write about in my books is not new. What sparked that? Was there an incident or something you read? or Probably some past life thing. Really? In which I was interested and successfully had figured out, you know, time and that we are not alone and the fact that we all live many, many times, something like that. And I always felt that. And as far as some of the other stuff like uh, the UFOs, for instance, was I read that you read a report at 18 about Truman that kind of sparked your interest? No, I was there in Arlington, Virginia in 1952 when the whole UFO squadron buzzed the White House in the Capitol. So you saw this? Yeah. And that, did it scare you? Did it excite you? What was No, the- I knew what they were. Yeah. And when I saw that, I didn't know where they were from. Yeah. But as Truman and General Stanfield Turner, I think, he directed him to come on the television and radio and say to people, all they have to know is they're not from Russia. There you go. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> they could be from the Pleiades, but if they're not from Russia, then that's what they want to know. <laughs> my God. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned in your teens starting, I guess, acting. And what was the uh, how did how did you end up in New York? Understudying on Broadway. What was the secret? Because I was a dancer and you have to go to New York if you want to be a dancer and mm-hmm. successful. That's all. And as far as... It wasn't that good, by the way, really. As a dancer? No. I could flash and dash dash them, but I was not that good. Not not as good a ballet dancer at all as I was the other kind. Mm -hmm. As far as the pajama game, how did you come to be a part of it? And if you can share, I'm sure you've had to do it more times than you want to remember, but what was the sequence of events that sort of led from being the understudy to catching Hal Wallace's attention? Well, it wasn't up to me. The star hurt her ankle. Uh, I was on, and uh, he was there. And did he immediately... Yeah, he came... Are you talking about Hal? Yeah. He came backstage and signed me. Actually took me to Sardi's. First good meal I'd eaten in days, <laughs> years, years. Had had the movies been in and, and even a thought prior to that? No. I remember Shirley Jones was in the chorus of Me and Juliet with me. That was the show before Pajama Game. Mm-hmm. And she um, had told me and the rest of the chorus people that she was going to L.A. to do this musical called Oklahoma. By the way, I had done the subway circuit of Oklahoma when I was 16. Really? And I played the center postcard girl. <laughs> So I sort of knew what Oklahoma was. Therefore, I knew what 80 Annie was. And I said to Shirley, when you get to 
California. Ask, was it Fred Zinneman who directed mm-hmm. him? Mm-hmm. Ask Fred Zinneman if he needs an Ada Wanny. That's, that's something. That's unbelievable. So, <laughs> so now uh, your first movie... Trouble with Harry is, uh, I wonder what your mindset was when you're going into that. Did you feel that you were ready, you were confident? I mean, you get so many varying accounts from people who worked with Hitchcock that he made them feel better or he made them feel worse. I wonder what your... No, he made me his eating companion. (laughs) Because he knew that, uh, well, I don't know if he knew or not, but I was from the chorus with no money. And I had free meals if I ate with Hitchcock. And I gained 25 pounds. The head of the studio called me and said, you're wrecking your career before it even starts. (laughs) They couldn't match the, the... you know, over shoulders because uh, I was 25 pounds heavier (laughs) three weeks later. Anyway, with me, I was not the tall, thin, blonde goddess type. So I was not influenced by his opinions of what he wanted to do to blonde goddess (laughs) types. Right. (laughs) Um, So a year later, again, just a year after starting in the movies, you're part of the, I think, to that point, the most star-studded movie ever, right, all around the world in 80 days. Mm -hmm. Are you kind of pinching yourself, or are you already accustomed to being, you know, a Hollywood star at that point? Well, you kind of never get accustomed. At the same time that you feel this is your destiny, you're in alignment with it, it's nothing unusual. I had not been on location. Well, yes, I had. I'd been in New, in New Hampshire and Vermont with Hitch, but not in Japan and all around the world. And uh, by the way, the sound man on that picture became a friend of mine for the next 50 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, did you ever expect the movie would win Best Picture at the Oscars? Well, no. Bec- well, after I saw it. Yeah, yes, right, right. But, um, Mike Todd, you know what he was. He was, it was hard to get a beat on anything. He was always three years ahead of schedule, and he didn't really, sort of flew by the seat of his pants. So you never knew what was really happening. (laughs) Um, With with some came running. I know that's your first nomination, and was also kind of an introduction to this group of folks that you would start hanging out with a lot, right? Mm -hmm. How did how did you come to be the sole? Uh, female and essentially in the I don't know back. it was a kind of a I was their girl Friday I would there was no sex at all although later I had kind of a crush on Dean <laughs> but um, I, I don't know I cleaned up after them they could trust me with anything I never asked them for anything it was it was fascinating wasn't it that I was that I don't know why <laughs> well uh and I laughed at everything Dean said because I thought it was so funny. And you seem hard to shock. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. So uh, w- was the apartment, though, in some ways the, the best part that you had when that final up to that point that in the sense that I, I've always gotten the I've always felt like you can navigate between tragedy and comedy better than anybody. And here's a part that has that built in and and you could run with it, right? Yeah. But you know, when we did the apartment, it was, we only had 29 pages of script. How's that? Well, because Billy and Izzy didn't know uh, yet what the chemistry between Jack and me would be. And um, the gin game is in because I was learning to play gin rummy from Dean and Frank and a couple of other nefarious people. And they (laughs) put the gin game in because I did that every weekend. 
and was shut up and deal a That's improvised. probably what I said. Really? Yeah. I was wondering that. That's amazing. Um, and, and when you're making that movie, did you have any, I mean, obviously Billy Wilder was already Billy Wilder, but so did you have an expectation that this movie was going to be a, a especially important one, especially great one, let alone go on and win Best Picture? Yes, we knew, uh, well, we knew Billy. Mm -hmm. And although this was a comedy and he had just finished a couple of other really dramatic ones, um, you know, he was such a science of comedy person and knew and Izzy, we knew Izzy, and yes, we knew we were making something important. And were you, when you saw that performance, was that, I get the sense that that may have been the first time in the movies up to that point that you were really totally pleased with what you had done? Is that fair to say? No, I pretty well liked everything liked I <laughs> <laughs> And then never saw it again. Except the one that you guys reunited for, right? You weren't such a big fan of, of Irma LaDuce, right? I thought it should have been a musical. Really? That's basically it. But he was intimidated by the music because he didn't have complete control. And so even when you were nominated for it, I read some... I, tried I don't to go know back. why I was nominated for that thing. I really, I don't know. That's why. what I was... It's funny because I read that you said that and that you didn't want to win for that one. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well... I was so grateful. What's up? Although what? I had a beautiful dress to wear. And I... You know, <laughs> What is what is up with all the jacks in your life? Is it a kind of a cosmic thing? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Let's just for the people that may listen. Jack Lemon, of course. Jack Gillardi, your agent for all those years. Jack Nicholson, Jack Black, and Bernie. It's crazy. It is, isn't that something? And uh, and and just you seem it's to a good thing I didn't have an affair with Jack Kennedy, <laughs> or that would have been one. <laughs> <laughs> was it uh, was that a possibility? Were you do you do you know did you? No, know? I was the one he talked to. <laughs> he was not like that with me. Yeah, I was also thinking that you know when you sign on when you sign on to do the Children's Hour, did you were you thinking to yourself, you know, how's this gonna be made? I mean, this is coming out at a time when husband and wife couldn't be shown in the same bed together, and here you're dealing with. I know it's kind of crazy. And and Willie honestly did compromise it. He uh, he cut out some wonderful scenes of me uh, ironing Karen's hair, uh, making her clothes in nice uh, packages, things like that, that were showing the real love that Martha had for, for Karen. And uh, I think he got frightened. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the movie suffered from that. And Philip Scheuer, who was the uh, film critic for the L.A. Times, I remember the headline of his review, The Lesbian Said the Better. Isn't that awful? And, and here we are. It's, you know, in some ways things have changed a lot. In some ways, not a not, lot. Oh, not come alone. on. Of course they've changed. But you think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, well... It's much more honest. Yeah. Um, as a dancer... Was it kind of exciting to get to do, I, will, I guess we'll get to Turning Point, but even before that, Sweet Charity, to be able to to uh, to do that and, and acquire a theme song must have been kind of uh Oh, nice. my Let's friends, see. yeah. <laughs> That's right. 
is it make it any better to be doing something you enjoy off screen, on screen, or does it actually maybe sap some of the the fun? Well, of dancing it? on screen is difficult because you've done the rehearsal period, your muscles and everything are used to it, and then you don't shoot it for six weeks until six weeks later. Yeah, and uh, sometimes the muscle memory forgets, and that's the problem. Bob Fosse as director might have been interesting, though. Was he? Uh, oh, he was extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, in a, in a, another interview of yours that I read, you kind of suggested that the way you approached acting changed when you saw Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces, and particularly mm-hmm. the ch- what what happened to you then when you saw what did what did it relaxed um, had a more improvisational take to it. Mm-hmm. I was always pretty loose anyway; mm-hmm. didn't take it all that seriously mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that. And when I saw what Jack did with it, with the chicken salad sandwich scene. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's okay, that's it. And then when I worked with him, oh my God, what a pleasure. Listen. You never knew what he was going to do, never. Um, now, for a few years before the turning point, I think it was four, you did not, uh, you had just, I guess, entered your 40s, and you weren't you weren't working for those four years. I wondered Oh, I was doing politics. I was doing McGovern and uh, Bobby Kennedy. So it wasn't a matter of... Hollywood kind of turning on you when you hit middle age, or or was it? Was it? a little of that too. Yeah. Yes, I think I was filling in the gaps with what else I was interested in. Yeah. Sure. Um, but to come back with the turning point must have been a, mm-hmm. a nice middle finger to those people, right? Yeah. That was a, no. I never thought of no. it that way. No, no, I never thought of it. And I loved uh, shooting in New York, and I loved, uh, of course, it was about ballet mm-hmm. and working with Nora Kay. Mm-hmm. Mm. And your and do you like your uh, director and co-star Fair. on that one? Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but you, that one, I, I get the sense you're, that was one of the performances I think very rightly that you're particularly proud of, right? Yeah, was I nominated for that? I believe so, and I think you probably should have won. I don't know. But anyway, is it different? as somebody who's so often funny to play sort of the straight man in being there where you are. No, no, I loved it. You loved it. Well, I was just so enamored of Peter and his ability to sink completely into that character. And I mean, that was like a, like a psychological experience to watch someone who went into schizophrenia uh, (laughs) willingly. And how did you keep a straight face? It was hard. So there before it was a comedy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What's the first, do you remember the first time you heard of Terms of Endearment? How you heard about it? Just what was the first entrance onto your radar? Uh, Jim had done a complete script, sent it to me. I read it. He came to my place in Malibu. He was standing outside the door and I said, this could be important. So you knew right away, important yeah. that it would be a great movie or that you had a great part that you were Both. Doing. Yeah. And what what was the toughest part about it? I mean, you have to, your character. Him. Really? <laughs> he's, he's a handful? Oh, he's a handful. An absolutely brilliant handful. Yeah. But a handful. Yeah. But even, you know, I'm thinking to have to age as a character 32 years in the course of two hours. And I know making it, you're jumping all chronologically. Oh, that's all about makeup in here. That's easy. It's easy. Mm-hmm. And I know you uh, I talked about some of the wigs and stuff where they're aging. You weren't crazy about the way that they age the character, right? I think. Yeah, because she was also dyeing her hair. So you had to look at the fact they had to make wigs where right. she hadn't had a touch-up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I 
Polly yeah. Platt, right? That was, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, right. <laughs> so when you look back on that experience of making that movie, just is it, do you remember it being a happy time, a, a difficult time? I mean, it's, a, it's obviously an emotional, tough movie, uh, tough in the sense that it's, it's a lot of sad things that you're dealing with. But was it? Could you enjoy the experience of making it? Oh, anything with Jack Nicholson yeah. is is makes me so satisfied, so happy. Oh my God! I wish you'd work again soon. Yeah, and and was Deborah Winger or somebody? You, did you oh, get, talk about a handful? Never mind. Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Well, I bet you probably had to spend more time with her on that than anybody, right? And on the set on the making of that movie. More than anybody, I don't know. Or maybe her handler had to, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, when you won the Oscar, I think you gave one of the funniest speeches anybody's given as an acceptance speech. And I just wonder, you know, uh, first of all, was it, was there something, did it, was it all the more satisfying that you had to wait as long as you did to win and then win? No, I would rather have won before and then. And then, <laughs> and, and then part B, why was it another five years uh, before you worked again after terms? I, Madam uh, Was Sosatka, it? Yeah, that's what I was looking Are at. Are you kidding me? I was surprised because normally they say, you know, you the, the career move is strike. Well, they well, always tell you that when you win an Oscar, it can be dooming. Is that your sense? Did it was it? Did it help or hurt or anything? I think hurt. You do. I think so because uh, people don't think they 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 should send you a script they're not sure about or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it really can be too too demanding for the future. But the one you came back with, Madam Madam Sosatska, was was uh, I love working right? with Slesinger. He yeah. has a dreamboat. Yeah. Um, fun to play a, a crazy mother in Postcards from the Edge. Was oh, I loved it. Yeah. I didn't play Debbie. I played my version yeah. of Debbie. Yeah. If you can step outside of yourself for a second, and what is Shirley MacLaine's greatest strength as an actress, objectively? Mm-hmm. Probably uh, living in the moment. And is that just a, a God-given thing? Because you weren't... I think so. Yeah. And also probably... I don't... I don't have restrictions on how I should say stuff or shouldn't talk about this or whatever. I don't have those filters as part of my character. Therefore, I don't have filters with the acting either, I yeah, don't think. That makes sense. And when you look at the movies and people in them today, what do you make of it? Are, I, I want, Again, just one thing I came across, and it kind of makes sense that you like Interstellar, because that raises some interesting... Mm-hmm. And you like Jennifer Lawrence, who oh, really reminds me of you. A lot of people have told yeah. me that, yeah. And I did meet with her right after she finished doing... Um, the Hunger Games, and uh, we had some talks about life and love and the pursuit of happiness stuff. Yes, I, she's my favorite. How would you feel if you, like like she, had become a star in the 21st century where today they're in some of the paparazzi and tabloids and stuff that these guys deal with? She had her phone hacked where they take her, you know, everything. It's just like... That's it's a, a question. Crazy. So the question, I guess, is... Would you would you have wanted to even pursue this career if you had had to? Oh no, I would have beaten them up. <laughs> I would have gone over there and cracked them over the head with a with a bottle of scotch or something. I thought that was awful, and would do that. I would really, I would, I would react that way. Any regrets? Is there a role that got away? Is there yeah, something? Breakfast at Tiffany's. Really? I turned it down. 
And instead of doing it, I did a thing called Two Loves with Jack Hawkins and Larry Harvey, whom I despised. <laughs> and, and, and three people saw the movie. Although never would I have done, given Holly Golightly, what Audrey did. So, you know. Well, I guess just as the last thing, uh, two-parter, if I may, what's... For, you know, what's your life like today? Do you still have the hunger that you've always had to, to act? And then part B, many, many years from now, when all of us are, are gone, how would you like people to remember the work and, and everything that you did? Getting ready to do another movie, um, working with people on the script. If I can't be creative, I'm in trouble. Writing my own books, and that's probably yeah. what I'd like. I would like to be remembered for making it clear that life itself is show business. Everything about what each of us do, we are performing our lives. And we can make a decision how to perform, how to dress, what is the wardrobe, what is the makeup, what is the distribution, what is the financing. You know, we're all doing it every day. All right, well. And I think that's a simple concept that I'd like to be remembered for making it clear. You know, I think you do it better than anybody. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, hon. Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Scott Feinberg. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.